and after this two and a half year journey with both of those jobs, mainly the, the busboy one though, I said, you know what? I got out of there. I said, never again. Never will I work for anyone ever again. And <laughs> Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer, and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity, and helping others to do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Ben Franklin, without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. Our guest today, Jordan Paris, has spent his entire adult years finding new ways to grow. At just 22 years old, he's become a successful entrepreneur, author of two books, and host of the popular podcast, Growth Mindset University. Jordan's also been featured in Forbes, Market Watch, Men's Health, NASDAQ, and more. Jordan, welcome. Uh, excited to have you join us on the Elevate podcast. I am elevating with Bob. I've been, uh, I know we've had this on the books for a little while now. I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, entire adult years, I mean, I've been around so I long, know. haven't I? <laughs> After I read it, I, I, I chuckled a little bit if you, if you heard that. There was some sarcasm in there. So you, you've been pretty honest about the struggles you had as, as a teenager. What challenges did you face and how did they affect you? Yeah, look, I mean, it's nothing out of the ordinary. I just chose to talk about it in a book format and, uh, and in podcast format. You know, I like many. I I didn't have the greatest high school experience. You know, leading up to that, I, you know, I was a a pretty joyful guy. I was actually a real funny guy. I was a I was a joker. I, I won the class clown award in, in fourth grade, the official award from <laughs> Mrs. Moser. Is and, that an uh, award your parents <laughs> want you to win or not want you to win? I wanted to win it, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was a troublemaker sometimes. Uh, actually, I got a lot of, they, they would put stop signs on your desk and, and yeah, that wouldn't make my parents too happy. I would get a lot of stop signs, magnet stop signs that go on the desk. But going into high school, I don't know, things just were very different. Uh, I didn't get a good luck of the draw in that, like, I don't know, I didn't really know people in my classes. I, I really didn't have, didn't have people to sit with at, at lunch. I just, like, you know, had to figure that out. And it started out like, okay, though, actually, you know, I got this you know, the first month of ninth grade, I, I got a girlfriend, like this girl that I really liked in study hall. I, you know, I made a move and not really because our, our friends put us together, uh, our, a mutual friend put us together. And then, and then a short while later, like a month later, that went down the drain and then everything went down the drain, my grades, uh, my performance in sports. And uh, I got a mountain of acne as in like, so like sideburns, like all the way down your face, like that was like, uh, it, I got acne real bad for the first time and it just sucked. Like I would, I, I'd go home and cry after school a lot of days and my mom would be there for me, which was great. But yeah, it was, it was definitely tough. And that went on for a little while where I really didn't, really didn't have friends. Uh, I had, I mean, I had this one friend, Peter, who's still my friend, but I never, ever in high school, I had a class with him, never even had a, a lunch with him. So I was left to fend for myself. And uh, so it just wasn't a great experience. Like, like many people's high school experiences, those are formative years, you know? Yeah. And, and so were your entrepreneurial genes flexing early? I found that yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of people just had a really hard time 
with the the paint by number curriculum and they were running homework selling businesses or or something else yeah uh, that captured a lot more of their their attention yeah look i i mean my, the start of my entrepreneurial journey like the planting of that seed you know it, so in high school i i got this this was like on the way back up i was you know i was like two years into high school or so and or two and a half and i got this job at uh, at a restaurant as a bus boy and i was 16 and had that job, worked my way up to a server and, uh, until I was 18 and a half years old. So from 16 to 18 and a half, had that job at Firebirds, the restaurant was called. And uh, actually, for someone that age, I mean, I was making on any given night between 10 and $14 per hour, which was really good. But over two and a half years, I really realized the downsides of being an employee. And I also had a summer job as a camp counselor a sports staff and uh, just getting chewed out by people with authority, people older than me for things that I just couldn't understand. It was just really disrespectful, condescending. And and after this two and a half year journey with both of those jobs, mainly the, the busboy one though, I said, you know what? I got out of there. I said, never again. Never will I work for anyone ever again. And <laughs> you pulled the ripcord. Your two and a half years is most people's ten to twenty years. Uh, you, you pulled the ripcord early. I'm really glad I did. That's a good point. I mean, it does. I, you know, there are people that, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, I mean, it's maybe better late than never. But Bob, we hear so many people in their forties. They're just like, I'm yeah. done, and then they go on their entrepreneurial journey, and then they make it happen. But I'm glad it happened now, or, or, or four years ago. I'm really glad. Yeah, I had a I had a mentor. My last job, so twelve years ago, I had a friend actually who was trying to get me to come uh, work at his company in California that was about to go through a big growth spurt, and he knew me pretty well. And he said, um, and I had been doing some consulting in my own stuff, and he said, "Yeah, if you don't do this, I think you're pretty much going to be unemployable. <laughs> like it's if you take you probably had the last job you're ever going to have, or this would be the last job you're going to have." And and mm. I think he was right. And it was interesting. Now, now I'm curious when, when those people were just bad managers or you were saying, Hey, I got a better way to do it. Uh, I have some ideas here showing initiative and they didn't want to hear it because you were 18 years old. Oh, look, I, I had some good managers. Uh, Kristen, uh, was definitely one of them. Uh, and then I had some bad managers for sure. Not too bad. You know, I don't have any like crazy stories really that I can think of. But I, yeah, it was more just like, I think this is going to be a better way. I think that I'm going to uh, enjoy my life a lot more if I take control for myself. And, you know, even though it's going to be a, an uphill battle to generate revenue for myself, not working for anyone else, I'm willing to do it. What was the parental reaction? Oh, oh no, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Crazy. I mean, my parents are. Well, was this I, when you declared you weren't going to college? No, 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 oh, okay. no. I actually went to college. I you did. I did. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, why they're okay with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as long as I'm, I was in college and you know, I could do whatever. I could do whatever, you know. And there's de- definitely downsides to these types of parents, but I had very permissive parents and very, very supportive parents too. I mean, look, I could say, yeah, you know, I, I want to do heroin. They'd be like, oh, okay. But not, not really. I'm kidding. I'm just exaggerating. But yeah. uh, they, I have like, it's unconditional love and support. It's not like if you do this, then 
you will be loved. It, it's never been like that. So that's allowed me a lot of headspace. Okay. So tell me about your, what did your college experience look like? Because I, I know you, you, you're, you've been vocal about that college probably isn't worth the cost, um, yes. which is higher than ever. So, but a lot of times, I guess that's made by someone who never did it. So what, what was your experience and what made you form that opinion? Yeah, my, my experience, I mean, the first year I, I tried real hard, studied, got good grades. I think my GPA was over 3.6, maybe it was like 3.66 or something, which uh, was higher than my high school GPA of 3.42. So it was, it was pretty good uh, considering college is supposed to be harder. So I was rolling and, and then I, uh, you know, on the side I was, I said, oh, let me get this uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine certification and, and let me learn from somebody I really look up to in the area of personal training, Steve Jordan. Let me, let me try and do an apprenticeship model of learning here. Let me ask to work for him for free in LA for a couple of weeks. And so I did that, learned, got my certification, got my certification midway through my first year of college. And then it took two more months to actually get clients because I wasn't going to go work in a gym that would defeat the point. Like I would be working for someone again. Right. The point was, and, and Steve, you know, Steve has a couple of clients like this, but he also has, uh, you know, he also has a studio, a great studio too. But, uh, you know, people like, uh, you know, his clients, uh, the Resnicks, you know, Fiji water, they own Fiji water and wonderful, wonderful brands. Uh, so he'll like go to their house. He'll go to houses in the Hollywood Hills. And I was like, I'm not in the Hollywood Hills, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be an in-home personal trainer. And so it took two months but then I got some clients. I got some, I, I made it happen. I was so proud. And I actually, funny, funny way I got, I got those clients. But uh, anyway, I was making $60 per hour as a uh, freshman in college. And, and I was like, wow, that is, that is awesome. 60 per hour. That's like six times more than yeah. my peers. And, and maybe even more than like, I don't know, like a teacher say at a school, what they would make per hour. I was like, this is this is pretty cool. And, and I don't, I don't even have a degree yet. I'm just a, <laughs> just a freshman. And, and I don't know, my, I, I started having these thoughts like towards the end of my freshman year. And I even said it to my friend in the car one time. I, I remember the first time I said it to him, I said, you know, I feel like if I were to drop out, like my career would be just fine. I don't think it would affect me too much. And my friend goes, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> and from there, I, mean, I was less convicted about that idea, that belief at that point. But over time, I, you know, I start generating more income without this piece of paper, without any of that stuff. And, and then my career evolved to you know, completely out of the space of health and fitness. I mean, you, you probably didn't even know that, uh, that I was once a personal trainer because you, know, you see me now with a marketing and, and production agency for serious podcasters. And I, I used to, I used to develop websites too. That was, uh, that was after personal training and, and I, I've written two books and I start generating income and, and people are taking me seriously without any college degree. And I'm like, well, well why, why am I here? <laughs> what am I, what, what do I need this piece of paper for? What, what do I need to get an A for? You know, Robert Kiyosaki says, uh, what was it like? Uh, a students end up working for C students and and the only thing that the universities churn out are E's. 
employees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly right. If you want to be an employee, which more power to you. I, I honestly, I wish being an employee at a company would make me happy because, gosh, my life would be like a lot easier. Because Bob, you know the the stresses of being yeah, an entrepreneur, it's right? Totally tied to people's risk reward spectrum. You know, some For people sure. out of a job is stressful, and to some people. You know, the thought of of entrepreneurship is is even more stressful. So exactly. So I'm not saying I'm being like holier than thou here. Yeah. Like this is the way. This is the way you have to do it. But uh, this is a conditional thing. Like this is a decision tree here. You know, like if you want to be an employee, if you want to get like a, a good job, and then sure, you know, get the you more than likely are going to need the the degree. But if you're going to go into college aimlessly, pick a major aimlessly take out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans. But if you go on a party, right, and 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 not focus on anything and take out a ton of loans, you, you may wake up with a lot of regret one day. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd take like a an entrepreneurship degree. Like I, I don't really see college for you if that's like your your goal to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, it's make a payroll. That's what a lot of people say. I want to double click on something you said quickly because I think we're going to find this pattern and it's instructive in, in some of what you've accomplished. So how did you connect to Steve Jordan? So how, do, how does an yeah. 18-year-old connect to the top personal trainer in LA? That, that's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Because, uh, and actually, I, I wish it was more impressive, but uh, my uncle grew up in Clark, New Jersey, Northern Jersey. And Steve Jordan grew up in Clark, New Jersey. And They've been best friends for over 40 years. And I had not seen Steve when I asked him that question. I hadn't seen him since I was one years old. He was just this myth to me. I heard, I would hear my parents talk about him. I, you know, I just knew he was a very successful guy. I knew he trained uh, like Toby Maguire and Ariana Huffington and Jordan Belfort and Brad Pitt. The list could go on, you know. And he was like this this godlike figure to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, especially because I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be cream of the crop in terms of personal trainers. And I wanted to take it up a notch and be like YouTube famous and with online programs. So I aimed for the stars and I was put in contact with him via an email introduction, asked him to get on a phone call. I was gracious enough to do that, even though his time's worth a lot. And you know, I know him today. He always, he's actually one of my closest friends now. And uh, he, he always says he doesn't have time. So I'm glad he made the time though for, for my call. And I asked him at the end of an hour after interviewing him essentially with questions on a notepad, I asked him, can I work for you for free for three weeks? Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time. And it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. 
Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, that is the key. You just repeated it, but I hone in on that too. I think that is the key thing of saying, you know, can I work for you for free? And I just recently interviewed Cam Harold. He talks about this a lot. Like if you want this experience, find the best person and go get like, why? Yes. You know, if that's the best experience you could get, why on one side of your life is you go borrow (laughs) $80,000 to get some sort of education versus saying to someone else, can I come train for you for free? And I, when people ever ask me for sort of, you know, advice or in their 20s or 30s, I was like, I would say, look, Get yourself in the right experience and the right learning in your 20s. Don't follow the money because you'll, you know, with the exception of most people, you'll probably be undervalued then. But those experiences will yeah. set you up for massive differential between, like, you know, if, if a company that's offering you $5,000 less has a world-renowned leader and training program, like, go yes. there. Like, <laughs> because it, the other company might not exist in, in two months. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about this in a recession too, or if they want to change their skills, they want to do something like, offer yourself up, right? I mean, I I, I just don't hear that enough. And it's a great way to do it. I love the apprenticeship model in in terms of career advancement, in terms of education, getting a real hands-on experience-based education because belief is a poor substitute for experience. And and belief, uh, aka theory, is, is really exclusively what's going on in the universities. But I think it's great. And I, look, the way I did it, I would change one thing. Steve just accepted me because he doesn't, he doesn't actually have employees. He just thought it was cool to like have someone, you know, have this interest in, in doing this. So he right. was like, cool. But the way I would do it now is offer something and, and you'd be on board with this. I'm sure if you're not, let me know. I don't want to speak for you, but offering something specific that you can do for them. Yeah. Like when people ask me now, if they could do anything to help, you know, what, what is it going to be? I'll do it for free. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And it, I feel like it gives me a homework assignment. Like I now have to figure out what you're good at. And I don't right. really want to do that. So come with something specific if we're going to be really actionable here. And then also another point too, I think it's great if you offer yourself up to do that for free, to work for someone for free in an apprenticeship model, get a lot out of it. But I think as a business owner, I, even though I have interns, they're not free. I pay yeah. them. I believe in paying people. And I think for the general population, you get better 
work out of them when you pay them. Now there are some people who are just really driven and they can, you know, they'll, they'll put themselves out there, offer themselves up and work for free and they'll, they'll do amazing work, but that's not everyone. So that was important to add that. No, I think that's, that is learning, you know, what to reach out, how to ask, how to position yourself. It is, it is often in the, in the nuances, but taking the initiative never hurts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, one of the things I actually really can't stand is vigory. When people reach out and they're not clear about what they're asking Ooh. for, what they want, like, I think they're trying to get away from the ask. And, and I'm a little more skeptical when I don't know what the yes. ask is. <laughs> I, and maybe that's just me, but I, I, sometimes it's like, have you ever seen like a three-page email that doesn't even tell you what it wants? And I'm like, what's uh, something doesn't feel right about this. I had one the other day. Yeah, I was like, what's the purpose? <laughs> How can I help? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, look, this is a good lesson, I think, for people in terms of networking or thinking about reaching out. I heard Tim Ferriss and Adam Grant talking about this. I've heard a lot of other people saying, you know, a lot of people just ask for a meeting without clarity, mm. and I get it. Because coffee, maybe, yeah, I'd love to catch up, run some stuff by you. And I've heard a lot of people say, and, and I've tried to accept this policy, like, I don't accept meetings with strangers without knowing what they actually want. Yes. Because maybe there's a really simple ask. They want and be on Jordan's podcast and they want an intro. Well, I don't need to go sit down with a lunch and have fake pleasantries for yeah. 45 minutes to, <laughs> to find out that they want to be yeah. on your podcast. I'll, I'll send an email and I'll introduce him to you, right? If I think it's a good... It's a good fit. So I, I heard that a year or two ago. I think I just heard Adam Grant said it. Obviously, he's at a volume that, but I, I think it's something people should pay attention to, particularly if you're going after people whose time is really limited. Sometimes like just tell them what you need and how they can help. Um, don't ask for a lunch or a meeting or whatever if to just catch up. If there's a very specific thing. To me, a catch up is like between two mm. old friends. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not, not between people who don't know each other. Right. Yeah. And look, it comes, you know, a lot of times this stuff comes from a really good place, you know, well-intentioned, you know, let's jump on a call to get to know each other. You see that a lot on, on LinkedIn, but for busy people, that's just not scalable, right? It is not scalable. So like, uh, you're making me think now because I was actually, I was actually on a call uh, this weekend where, look, I really don't take calls anymore unless there's an explicit business purpose, but this person made an introduction. Uh, he introduced me to this person for, I, I didn't ask for the introduction. That's another thing, by the way, double opt-in introductions. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to ask both parties if they want to be introduced. Particularly if one is selling something to the other. That, yes. No, no one likes getting that, that intro that will burn your intro list fairly quickly. Yeah. So I was introduced and recommended we get on a call and I was like, all right, I, you know, I feel like I have to, even though I had no idea what the call was for. And I get on the call and I find out this guy, all he wanted was market research for this new venture that he's, and I'm like, oh my God. And so I was stuck for 36 minutes and it was on football Sunday. I said, oh, this is dreadful. And I was like, actually stressed for like four hours afterwards. I was actually <laughs> pissed that I, that I wasted that time. And they were like, just like these prying invasive questions <laughs> that you wouldn't tell a random stranger. And I was just like, I can't do this, <laughs> but I got to be respectful because he knows my friend. Right. So Jordan, one thing I'd like you to paint some light on this as you're right in the middle of Gen Z and obviously a, a entrepreneurial Gen Z. One, one thing for, I guess, millennials and, and, and Gen Xers as they think about the, the workforce, and, and I know you have an entrepreneurial lens on this, 
But when I talk to a bunch of up-and-coming people, really great marketers, interesting experts, sort of your age, like they don't have jobs anymore, a lot of them, in, in the traditional sense. They have they have projects, they have things they do, mm. they have clients. And I don't think they're all necessarily entrepreneurs are running their own business, but I, I think it's it's really appearing to me that the the nature of work and talent is is changing as we kind of head more towards free agent nation. Do you agree with that? Or what do you see? I mean, obviously, there's still traditional, you know, come out of the school, go into a feeder class. But what are sort of you seeing of, of, of some of the, the thought leaders and stuff in, in your generation? I mean, are they, are they in companies? Or are they, are they on their own? What well, are, are people my age in, in companies? Or are they on their own? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's a it's not black or white, right? Right. But, but I'm talking about when you're seeing some of these thought leaders and leaders in in certain thing. Like, are they? I think for some companies, oh, they'd be mm. the CMO of Salesforce, so they'd be the whatever. And and now I'm more mm. seeing them all as as sort of for rent, not for hire. Oh, absolutely, yeah. These these the influencers of I hate that word yeah. so much. I can't believe I just used it. Let's forget that. <laughs> the, the, the thought leaders of today, the the movers and shakers of today that you see online, you know, with a big digital presence. Yes, they're very often not the, the CMO of Salesforce or executives in these Fortune 500 companies. This is very rare. I can think of one, that guy Oleg on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, you've had to have seen his stuff at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. The Daily Mail or something? Daily Mail, yeah, yes. Yeah. So he's like, he's the rare, he's an executive, right? It's a right. rare example. Uh, everyone else, it's not, not really the case. You see, you see, like my buddy Mark Metry. Yeah, you know, I'm. I guess I'll include myself. Um, What's this going to mean for talent and for companies trying to attract talent? I mean, as far as companies attracting talent, I think that they're realizing. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine, Ron Carucci, on, on my podcast. You guys are kind of similar, by the way. But anyway, the product, aka graduating students, is worse than ever, and and companies are are realizing this, that they're coming out grossly unprepared and untrained. And they and these companies are being forced to pick up the slack. And so you see companies for certain positions really eliminating the need for a college degree, namely, you know, Ernst and Young recently is has abolished the need of a college degree for certain positions. I don't know which ones exactly. Facebook has, Virgin has, yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, right, right. This is a trend. So as far as like the workforce, I mean, that's that's really the only thing that I can speak on there, that. Yeah. But if someone's looking to hire a a brilliant marketer, right, to help them Ah. with their, you know, Gen Z marketing. Yeah, it's not going to be for hire. Okay, thank you. They're going to have their own marketing agency. They're, They're me. That's what it is. I have a marketing agency. Yeah. And I'm not for hire uh, to be an employee. Oh, no. Yeah. No, you're, you're paying us. I do things my way and you're, you're paying us X amount of dollars per month to do this. And I have my own team. Yeah, exactly. To your point there that, that we were talking about. Yeah. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. 
I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. When you talk to these companies, do they, they say, well, can I hire you? Right. I mean, are, are they adjusting to this shift and are they getting used oh, to yeah. it? Or, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and in a way, Bob, I think it's way more efficient. Yeah. Way more efficient. I'm not sitting by the water cooler. I'm not sitting in the office talking to like, like talking smack. And uh, I'm just, it's pure productivity. Yeah. It's either I'm working on, on the client's project or I'm not. Or my team's working on the client's project, or they're not. There's, it's a. You know, I have a virtual team. There's no, there's no slacking off. You know, think about like typical office culture. I wouldn't know, but this is the stereotype. Yeah. Is like you know, sitting by the water cooler, chatting. The, the amount of, I you know, I there's stats on this. I don't have them, but like the amount of actual productive time in a workday is marginal. Like it is a shockingly small amount of time. So I just think that traditional, the way traditional companies do this, you know, where the marketing guy, I mean, he's in there for what? How many hours is he in there? Eight hours in a day? I don't know, yeah. seven? Six of its meetings. And I'm getting way more done than, than he is. Way yeah. more. Yeah. We, we all are. And at the end of the month, if you submitted something and said, hey, I was in a lot of meetings this month and uh, not many <laughs> deliverables, uh, you, you would not get paid. Right. I think we're, we're seeing a shift now to enhanced productivity and straight up deliverables. Yeah. As opposed to just, you know, brainstorming sessions and meetings and, <laughs> and whatever the heck crap goes on in, in big companies. So you started a podcast, Growth Mindset University. How old were you when you started that? I was actually 20. Yeah. 20. Is the, the tail end of my 20th year. So it's taken off. How did that start? I, I am. I'm sure I have a sense of how you got the guests you wanted uh, and what, what, <laughs> these are some of the stories you told, but did it take off right away? Well, like how, no, how did that all no, unfold? No. Cause there are a lot of, everyone's got a dream of starting a podcast these days. It's new. Yeah. Everyone and their mother. Yeah. Right? Literally. Yeah. That'd be a good podcast. My mother's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I, I mean, that's uh, the name, everyone and their mother. Would that be a podcast? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's I'm thinking out loud. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, it sucked in the beginning. It, it was really bad podcast. April of 2018 is when I started it. Just bad. Man. Uh, I, embarrassing. Really embarrassing. And along the way, though, I figured things out. And I, it took a lot of time and trial and error and wasted energy and money and uh, and learning. and. <laughs> I mean, like I was the broke kid trying to teach financial freedom. That's who I was. I was the confused guy trying to like talk about success and like I'm not. Well, I wasn't successful and fulfilled, but I'm like I'm like acting like it, you know. And I actually didn't interview. I didn't really start doing interviews regularly until like 30s, as far as episode numbers go. 
Um, they weren't special. I was a bad interviewer. I mean, we were talking about this off the air, but I was taking inbound requests uh, as far as in- interviewees. And uh, like, I didn't really care all that much. Yeah. I was just doing it for like production's sake, just for producing an episode. And, uh, but uh, somewhere along the the 60s and 70s, uh, as far as episode numbers again, things started to shift. I started getting a few big guests. Uh, I interviewed on Valentine's Day, I interviewed the biggest porn star in the world. At one point, she was the biggest porn star in the world. Her, her name's Rachel Starr. And that kind of put me on the map. It did. And Rachel, to her millions, you know, to her 3 million followers on, on Instagram, shared it literally like seven times. And, uh, and it just seems like everyone heard that episode. I even, funny story, I, I matched with this girl on Tinder. And yes, I, I used to use Tinder. It's very rare now. But that, such is the, the single life of a 22-year-old. But anyway, matched with this girl on Tinder. And she's like, yeah, I heard your interview with Rachel Starr. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, like, who are you? You know. But anyway, and then I, you know, I had people like David Meltzer, um, John Lee Dumas. Um, and I don't know. People just started wanting to like be on the podcast and associated with, with those people. So there was no, there was no tipping point that you can point to? <sighs> no, really slow. I mean, if any, in, you know, in the sixties, seventies, you know, those episodes, but as far as like listener growth, like never like a gigantic spike other than, other than Rachel's episode. Uh, and then from there, it was actually like a, like just a pretty steady climb. And that's what it continues to be. So it's really, this sounds like it's the 1% rule, like 1% better each episode and somewhere right. that starts to be real number. Not, not even that, like point, like point 0.1% <laughs> actually. And then yeah. it actually really compounds over so many episodes. I mean, what is it? I saw like, I mean, there's that image on the internet, like one times one to the 365th power obviously equals one and then one times 1.1 to like the 365th power. So 365 days is like 36 something. Uh, You know, I'm getting the numbers a little bit off, but like, it's just that, yeah, it's just that, that 0.1% like each time. And how many downloads have you had now? Oh, I don't share that publicly at least. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I get, I get that question. You have to be an advertiser. Yeah. Which actually I don't take, I don't do advertising because, uh, I mean, it's great, like additional revenue as far as like the only revenue. It's not like a great way. Yeah, uh, it's, I actually teach this in, in my, my new book, The Podcast Playbook, where, you know, $30, uh, you know, it, I don't know how much you charge for like a, per thousand impressions, but I think the average is, from my research, is between 15 and $45 per 1,000 downloads. And then so like, let's say, you know, you produce an episode every week and you're charging $30 per thousand, and you have 15,000 listeners, which is a lot, by the way, Yeah, per episode. That's top 5%, I think. Yeah, exactly. So probably top 1%. And so at the end of the year, if you produce an episode every single week, you're only coming away with $23,400. You're putting out two episodes per week, and you have a sponsor every single episode, then that's $46,800 per year. That's enough it's enough to make a living. Is it enough to design a life? Not really. And and then I don't know. I just, I don't really want to have to like answer to people like that. I don't want them to be like, oh, I don't like what you said here. I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I don't, I'm not speaking from experience, but uh, I just see building a 
business around your podcast with the podcast as a piece of the customer acquisition process. Yeah. I see that as a far superior, more dependable, feasible business model. No, it makes total sense. So at this point, you've started a business, you've started a podcast, uh, and then you also found time to write two books. Found time. <laughs> yeah. How do, you, how do you learn to write two books? Do you talk to other people that have written books? You seem to ramp your learning curve fast. So, so what, did, what did you do in that case when you decided you want to write a book? Yeah, Google University, YouTube University. Uh, the first book, I actually did the cover myself. And I, I mean, it looks pretty good. Uh, the second one, I hired someone because it's just, you know, at that point, like it's just below my pay grade. And it was a lot of work before. I don't want to do this, you know? It's probably below your ability grade. That, that too. You know, I, I, I tried to do a, a cover for the second one myself. I tried for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I just don't even have the, the creativity for this right now. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, everything. I, I learned how to do the cover on YouTube uh, with a three minute video. And I learned, learned everything uh, on Google and uh, actually stumbled upon too. James Altucher, yeah, his uh, publishing guide. It's at jamesaltoucher.com slash publish. And that's pretty much the only reason I was able to publish my first book. And, uh, and I told him that at the end of our interview together in New York. So it, it was cool. It was a little full circle moment that, I mean, without him, I, I don't know that I would have been able to do it. Well, what's the best place for people to learn more about you and your work and, and reach out if they're interested? Yeah, look, I, I just, you know, give Growth Mindset University, the podcast, a try. Hear my interview with Grant Cardone. Hear the interview we talked about with Nirayal. Hear the interview with Sir Robert Glazer. Check out that interview too. Um, wow, yeah. Dan Millman, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. He joined the program. He was gracious enough to do so, even though he wasn't accepting any podcast at all since he's writing his final book. Mark Manson, take a listen to that episode. It's at jordanparis.com slash EP99 for Mark Manson uh, or slash Manson, whatever one works. And, uh, and yeah, I, that'll be the gateway. <laughs> All right. Well, practicing what you preach. Jordan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's really interesting hearing more about, about your story. Bob, I greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Jordan, uh, his company, podcast, and books on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. If you enjoyed today's episode with Jordan or other ones you've listened to, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review as it helps new users discover the show and the content that's helped you. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can just select the library icon, click on Elevate, and scroll down to the bottom to leave your review. It only takes a second. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. 
I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.